Hello, I am so excited you've tuned in to listen to a subject that I am so curious about. And I've already said to my wonderful guests that I might be quite clumsy with my questions because this is a subject that is so intriguing to us all. And it is the subject, have you heard of quantum fields? And it is relevant to all of us and our wonderful guests that I'm gonna introduce you to in a minute will be able to show you why it is relevant to us all and how this is such a new emerging human story is a, a word I've been asked to mention because it is all about us as humans. So this isn't about your, your digital life. This is about you and how you are vibrating and resonating and what is happening around you. And I'm really excited to talk to Paula and Peter and I'm gonna introduce them to you formally in a minute. First of all, some of you may have never heard of Penny Power, never heard of BIP, um, and certainly might never have listened to the BIP chat. And so let me give a little bit of context to that. So Penny Power, I am totally in love with finding experts. And Thomas and I together have spent the last 25, six years nearly supporting experts in business and helping them to connect and care for one another and, and work together and collaborate and refer one another. It's a world that we absolutely love. Finding great experts is always our quest in life. Um, I think a lot of people in life spend a lot of time looking for their customers, but what about if you were able to find great people who are gonna enhance your life, enhance your business, and you can always connect with Thomas and I to find those people. So BIP stands for Business is Personal, and it's something we have believed in our entire business careers, but we really honed that in 1998 when we started the first community of business owners online, the first social network. Um, and now we run a community of just 100 experts and it's called BIP 100. So BIP stands for Business is Personal. And today we're gonna to be talking specifically to one of our really fantastic experts, Paula Petrie. And she has brought a guest on with her, uh, Peter Mary, who both of them together are gonna to give you the most incredible time. So I am asking for your attention for the next 30 to 40 minutes on a subject that I think you will be curious about, subject you'll enjoy tomorrow night sitting around a dinner or sitting on the sofa, actually passing it on to someone else when you've listened to it. So let me start off by um, asking Paula to introduce herself and introduce what this conversation is gonna be all about. Hi, Paula. Hello, thank you, Penny. Um, yes, my, I'm Paula Petrie. I have a doctorate in education. I've been an educator, I think, all my life. A bit of a bridge builder as I look at um, from, from my work from early on until now. Uh, currently bridging the world, um, the two worlds of the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And today we're going to look at that and talk about that. And I stumbled upon it with my own journey and uh, with with through my daughter, my daughter's life, and also um, my daughter's death, and asking those big questions uh, when tragedy hits in unexpected ways, um, the big questions of life. And I kept seeking until I found my answers, and I found my answers in this new human story that uh, I'm excited to be here with uh, Peter's uh, wonderful expert and always interested in, in doing exciting and interesting things and uh, with you, P Penny, to be able to share. So the new human story, you know, uh, the question of do we live separate or do we live in this interconnected world? And if we're moving from this understanding of living separate um, even from ourselves, perhaps, but certainly from each other of, of dominance and competition to really understanding that we are in a quantum field, an interconnected field um, that brings us together in ways that uh, we're just learning about and uh, giving us a understanding of the power that we have uh, to co-create um, with this field and, and co-creating what it is, the life that we've all longed for. So do we live only in this physical body or are we also in a, um, in a connected into a spiritual world? Long time question, right? Forever old question. And, and to be able to um, believe and discover and see the science behind that, it's incredible. I could feel my shoulders sort of dropping as you were talking because it's really sad feeling like you're in your this world on your own. And so I love that. So now, Peter, 
I've heard Paula talk about you ever since I really met Paula. Um, you sound like an incredible man. Can you introduce yourself? This is Peter Mary. Um, um, could you introduce yourself and explain how you work together and what your world is all about? Because uh, you've done something that helps to prove this, which is fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Penny. I'm always wary of the word prove, but certainly invites <laughs> us to explore the possibility of, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm a Brit, been living in the Netherlands for just over 20 years, but um, I've always been, actually my mission has always been, how do we make the greatest possible positive impact with the least effort? Not from a kind of laziness perspective, but from a, a sense of the importance of something shifting fairly quickly in our society. And um, my, I've always been kind of self-employed, uh, social entrepreneur, established Ubiquity University, currently managing director of, which is a, a university mainly online that focuses on personal development and sustainability. How do we give people the mindset, tool set, skill set to make a positive difference in the world at this time? And then um, as part of that, I work with the uh, World Bank's global financing facility, um, de developing and delivering a leadership program for ministers of health and top civil servants and stakeholders in the global south focused on how to help them manage their, the health sectors in their countries more effectively in such a complex operating reality. Uh, and behind all of these approaches has been what we call an integral approach, um, inspired particularly by Ken Wilber's work, an American philosopher, that basically says a simple thing, you've got to integrate the interior, inner worlds of the individual and the inner worlds of the collective, the culture, with the, ex the exterior, the behaviors, and and the systems and structures it's not hard not rocket science but when i was doing consulting you know for large blue chip companies you know we were getting triple digit growth and 96 percent employee satisfaction just by doing that it's not rocket science it's like include the human being you know absolutely and uh and then stuff starts to happen and there are ways yeah. to do that, i'm sure you know given that what you said about yourself you're very familiar with but then the most recent venture, uh, a startup, has been this weird experience and weird technologies up uh, at the Broughton Sanctuary in uh, near Skipton in Yorkshire, um, which I'm happy to say a bit more about. But essentially, it's it's the the science of these consciousness fields and uh, developing what we call consciousness technologies. So technologies that respond actually to our kind of intention and attention as human beings without us having any physical connection between ourselves and the technologies. Well, we're definitely going to explore that because there's some people will, they'll have heard the word technology and suddenly they've got this sense of trust as technology mm. behind this because, but I love the fact that both we're all three of us are very interested in the human experience of life. And um, in fact, one of my keynotes is a, the human touch in a digital world. And I think what we're talking about today is becoming more and more relevant. And also, Paula, is this something that is becoming more present? Is it is it because we are, there's a consciousness in the world where we are seeking something that this is rising as a conversation? What, what's, how come this subject is becoming more and more relevant? Mm. Well, from a, being trained in a, in shamanic energy medicine, right? The understanding of, of who we are is that, um, you know, our, we have a, we have a soul and a soul that, is seeking, seeking truth, seeking truth in terms of our own blueprint, our own code of who we are, who we came in to be. And we are ultimately connected, interconnected with all beings, with the land, with the earth, is, is part of who we are. So as we have moved more and more separate from that, we have become more and more disconnected from our core essence, our core nature, we have become more and more at in dis-ease. The illnesses, the diseases, the mental health crises is real. Um, as we turn to technology to find our answers and not within ourselves, the separation from self at this time is perhaps the greatest it's ever been in history. And that separation from self has us also seeking no, so it's beautiful how things are orchestrated, and uh, it, it's 
it's there's a beautiful orchestration going on always in the quantum field. And so as our our mental health and um, crisis rises, you know, so does the science that is really giving us the information and and the actually the technology as well, but the know-how of how it is that we can come back into balance. And that connection into ourselves is coming through um, many means. Um, most recently, we have all the information coming out about the vagus nerve. So instead of living all of our organs in separate, this idea of our living separate, understanding our body and our even our organs as um, not interconnected, but separate pieces that somehow work together, but rather a vagus nerve that is called the spiritual nerve, running all the way from our brainstem down into our gut. And I've been developing courses and teaching on this because what it does is it helps us reset, reset from this fight or flight, which everybody's in, to this calm, rest and digest, right? And we do that by using all the ancient practices. And that's what I bring into my individual work is um, ceremony, drumming, humming, singing, um, the cold water that was developed, therapy coming out of Wim Hof that's very popular in England. Uh, all of those are ways in which to activate and tone the vagus nerve and resetting the body and bringing us back into this place of calm. So both things are happening at the same time. Yeah. So, and I'm listening to you and... I'm thinking, you know, I think about the panic I get in my system to sit at my desk and achieve loads of things. And that that vagus nerve thing you talk, that, that you're talking about, you know, a lot of us seek technology to help us. So I think, well, what productivity tool do I need to plug into to organize my mind? And, you know, and I think so many of us just go to technology. If we're overwhelmed, well, how can I organize things better? Um, how can I set myself up better with technology to make sure that I am organized rather than going inside ourselves? So it seems to me when I'm listening, there's this battle, Peter, I don't know whether it's making sense, but it is, is this this battle between technology and self? Is, is this something we're in now? Yeah, I mean, building on what um, Paula said, I think, you know, what's what's happened since the Industrial Revolution and and the enlightenment when we when we split science and religion and said two different things we kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater with the religion side because you know for all of its um problematic aspects the hierarchical nature the closed nature you know the, the fighting between the different religions what they were doing was pointing to our inner lives pointing to the more mystical side of reality and um what we did is we understandably you know, kind of push it away to focus on what can we see and measure because that's real. That's what we defined as real. But in that process, rather than kind of transcending that past and and including the, the good bit of it, namely how we work with our inner worlds and how we work with the unseen dimensions of reality, we kind of blocked all of that off. And so it's no wonder we're feeling lonely <laughs> because that uh, that invisible world is is the field that connects us you know um but because our our materialist science has developed to only um validate things we can see and measure then it's you know anything that's kind of slightly uh intangible as it were gets dismissed as not being real and so here we are you know all these different pieces separate from each other and what was interesting in covid was the second biggest issue for people beyond the actual physical effects was the isolation you know people felt alone and you know part one of the things that one of the technologies we're developing is something that where people could actually have two lamps let's say in one in a twin lamp one in one person's house one in the other person's house and when somebody thinks of the other person the lamp will glow in right. their room so it's a kind of way of physically reminding people that there is, as Paula was describing, this web of interconnectedness that all, all, the, all the spiritual traditions, all the ancient wisdom traditions have talked about. 
quantum science is now rediscovering. I mean, we've known about quantum for what, 50, 60 years or something, but we still haven't managed to integrate the implications of it because it so seems to contradict uh, materialist science that is what dominates you know, the Western world at the moment. Yet there are ways to integrate them. And I think, as Paula says, that's where we're going. That's what the new human story is. It's not an either or, but it's an understanding. It's like kind of left brain, right brain, right? It's not just the left brain. There is a right brain and we need to actually integrate. Yeah. yeah, because I, I know around 2018, I had my holy something moment where I thought, I can't keep running at this level that I'm running at and um, sort of hit a bit of a wall. And I started to think, right, I've got to learn to meditate. But actually, it became another task and it, it became another pressure for me. And then and then I actually ended up walking into our our local church just to have a sense. And it's quite interesting that you were talking about just to have a sense of I've never <clears> done, I've done that at school as a child. But just have a sense of something bigger than me, something I could connect to. Um, and I was really lucky because they weren't at all forceful about religion. They were just realising I was looking for love and connection in a different way to where I was finding it. Um, so, so I suppose where I'm going with that is, and maybe a lot of people are trying to find their thing, but what you're talking, you know, that's going to support them and help them, whether it's meditation, cold water, all these things that we end up thinking we need to do, I get the sense there's something about this just being a human being, you know, they talk about human being not doing and just understanding self. Is that, is that, is that, is, am I right in the direction I'm going in with that? Just thinking differently, being differently. Is that, Paula, can you help me here? Because I feel I've gone into that clumsy realm of trying to reach into what this is and how anybody listening here could think, I like the sound of this, but how am I reaching into it? I think, um, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think the the importance or the the value of this reset of our what we call the autonomic system um, is uh, nervous system is that it brings us to a place of calm. And when we are in a place of calm, we're not in the fight or flight, we're in the digest and rest through whatever practice, however we do that. We can sit with ourselves. It it allows the sitting with self, right? And it is so, but um, it also allows us or facilitates, you know, this interconnectedness, our realization that we are beyond ourselves. Like we we we're in we have an electromagnetic field, an auric field. Right. We understand there's a quantum field, but how would I connect up into this quantum field? Like I'm a physical body walking around. OK, we get that there's these sub 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 atomic um, particles that have an intelligence that are like airways that send and receive. But where am I in that? And so to understand that we also have this electromagnetic field and we have a, what they call a chakra system, these energy fields, these energy vortexes in our bodies. Um, and through that field, we, we interconnect with the larger field. We're doing it all the time. But when we're able to reset, however we do that, um, chronic stress, stress and chronic stress is so alive today, what 50, 60, 70% of people live in, chronic stress. That means that they're never resetting. The cortisol is always running. It's it's damaging the hippocampus. Our memory becomes uh, short-circuited. And so it's very difficult to have this experience, you know, of, of oneness that we have, which is the new story, uh, when, when our field is really shrunk into this very narrow, rigid, um, um kind of stressed condensed right and so imagine this relaxed field right out in nature like sitting in nature 20 feet in 20 minutes in nature feet on the feet on the ground uh i lived in seattle uh off of seattle and i joined a static dance group and uh all one every day every wednesday of the year no matter the temperature we danced in the park barefoot I mean, snow, ice, you know, cold, mud. Yeah. 
And then you read the science of what you're doing, right? And and you realize the value of that because the Mother Earth has this field as well. And so that's the that's the value of of sitting with self. And then you realize as you understand more of the kind of almost the mechanics of the field is that what is inside is also outside as Peter was suggesting. So what is going on in our in ourselves, we project outwardly. So we see all the anger and frustration out there in the world today. And then when you realize that that is the, the back and forth between the fields, this physical field and the etheric field or the information field, when you understand it, you're like, wow, there's value beyond my own small world in me being reset and connected and a strong sense of, of self and well-being. Wow. If that. Okay. So I've written down and I love it. I've really absorbed it. I've really absorbed it. What you were saying and I felt it deeply. And there were things that you said that really made me uncomfortable. Right. And might've made other people. The concept of sitting with self nowadays. <laughs> I mean, you know, I almost turned my computer off at this point because you it's really confronting, I think for a lot of us. And we all have to have noise all the time. You hear they're even putting, giving white noise to babies to get them to sleep, aren't they? Mothers, because they're projecting their own issues of not being able to have quiet, which is really worrying, I think. Have you heard, you, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah, the white noise, yeah, to help so, sleep. I find, you know, if I, when I I'm, I perpetually wake up at about 3.30 in the morning and I don't allow myself just to sit with self and go back to sleep, I have to put some noise in the background to help me go back to sleep. And we all have, you know, you see it on trains, planes and automobiles. Everybody's got noise in their ears. Nobody, how on earth do you learn? How, how do you do a reset? And how do you learn to sit with self? And I'm, I'm going to come to both of you on this. I'm going to come to, to Peter first around this because I'm very aware how high cortisol levels are. I struggle with it myself. Um, and if anybody listening here, if you're honest with yourself, you probably do. I've had it measured. I wake up very high cortisol levels from when I wake up in the morning. And um, so let's investigate that a bit, because if there's something that you as a listener can take away as a as a thought, uh, I would love to give that to you. And we've got two incredible people here. So, Peter, this concept of sitting with self, tell, tell me more about that. Well, I think what's important to get a sense of is, is why it's so hard. Yes. You felt penny, and it and it, it's because we have in Western civilization a collective trauma that goes back hundreds of years when we made the shift from kind of more tribal societies to um, agricultural and then the kind of church um, structured society. And it was a moment where we, and it's not to over romanticize that time, but just to look at the collective story of Western civilization for a moment, zoom out more my philosopher's hat on, is we, um, there was a point in time where we used to live with a kind of instinctive sense of interconnectedness, right? We just, it was just the natural way of being. And we didn't sit around and discuss it. Like it was just how we experienced reality. We experienced all these fields that Paula talks about. And the word weird, by the way, W-Y-R-D, is actually our indigenous Northwestern Europe term for the interconnected web that generates all life. It only got distorted to mean strange and respelt later on in our okay. history. And, you know, we buried it so deep that we imported chi and everything from the East. But we actually have our own indigenous, um, what we're trying to reawaken here with, with the weird experience and all our weird brand and things is let's reclaim that, right? Let's reclaim that we actually have in Northwestern Europe a concept for the interconnected web of all being. And the document that describes that is in the British Library and was discovered by Brian Bates, a researcher at Sussex University, who then went on to write a book called The Way of Weird that takes the story um, that was documented there, which was written by one of the first monks who came to the British Isles, um, who visited the local uh, sorcerer, uh, who gave him a, an initiation into the weird 
and he wrote it down at the monastery and that document ended up in the British Library. So, 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 but somewhere along the line, we made the shift, which is a very important shift developmentally of differentiate, differentiating ourselves from the world around us. So we developed a sense of, of separation, right? Which is, it happens to kids when they're about three, right? They start to say me, 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 me for the first time. Before that, they don't actually experience themselves as separate to the mother. They, they experience themselves as being the same. And that happened in our collective evolution at a certain point in time. And in healthy development, when you move from one stage to another stage, you have to differentiate to be able to make the next step. But you then re-include the past phases of your development. In a, in a, in a traumatic development, you differentiate, but you go further and you separate from that past and you push it away and it goes into you, what they call into your shadow. And that's when you have a, a trauma. So what happened collectively, and it's the time we burned the witches, anything that was to do with the earth, the feminine, the body was deemed to be dirty. And we needed to transcend this, this, this dirty world of ours, you know, into heaven. And we were all born sinners and, and all of that, right? And so that what we have in our in our collective memory is that fear somehow of 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 nature, of the feminine, of the body, of being part of something else. And and so we've developed this whole story around us all being separate and an individual. And we forgot that that's also true. We're all unique. There's a massive diversity we should celebrate but we forgot that that uniqueness is all held in a deep kind of web of interconnectedness. And where we feel can experience that web of interconnectedness is inside. But when we in the West go inside now, we feel the pain of that separation. Right. And so what we look for is fulfillment. Oh, let's not go there. New, new bit of technology, new app, new something and so we we have this materialistic kind of focus to try to get more stuff that will hopefully fill that hole that actually you can't fill from the world around you that you can only fill by going in feeling the pain of that separation allowing that pain to be there and allowing it to heal in its own way you know fundamentally we have forgotten that we are the earth right so right now I'm the earth talking to itself. That's of course funny. I am. You're the earth listening to itself. Right? I mean, you know, any any kind of alien would say, well, duh. <laughs> of course, you're earthlings, right? You're an expression of the earth. And whenever I say that in public, you know, rooms and everything, there's a stillness yeah. that settles into the rooms. People recognize that. But how crazy is it? that we've forgotten that if we hadn't forgotten that we would never have been able to do what we've done to the earth and to each other yeah that's extremely painful yeah, and that is inside and that's what we're avoiding by going out and until we heal that we won't be able to get access to all the beautiful things that paula is talking to about in these subtle fields right the deal is heal the separation heal the split in yourself then we get access to this incredible potential that we have in these fields of consciousness. Wow, incredible. So, so Paula, that was amazing to listen to. So Paula, this whole, you know, it, it, you're helping people to connect into this and helping them to reset. And you talked about the work you do with the vagus nerve. Um, so how does somebody go through, go through that? How does somebody start feeling <laughs> like an earth thing? And yeah. No, thank, yes, no, such a great question. And uh, no, thank you, Peter. That was just so eloquent. Yeah, we are of the earth. And in that, um, everything is first created. Another aspect of that and of the field is everything is created first in the ethereal field, in the quantum field, and then it manifests into the physical. So, um, what that means is, is that our looking at disease and trauma, right, in the hidden, in the shadow, the unseen, it's all seen, exists in the ethereal field, in this quantum field. So 
an aspect of healing um, self and and then the practitioners who are trained in being able to see. We are who we, I say, we are who we read, right? Defiant finds us. We are what we eat. We know that. We say that. Um, we are um, uh, what we hear, what we think. For sure, our mind shapes us. But we're also what we see. So those of us who live live in between worlds means that we're able to see into the invisible. And so this electromagnetic field we have is uh, interpenetrates us. So all that is, all that we are, is our, in our auric field, extending out into the greater field, as, as we've discussed, right? So if you imagine being able to see the trauma is held on the field as black, you know, clusters of dark energy. Yeah, the trauma, the misunderstandings of ourselves, the lies we've kind of told ourselves of, of what we did wrong or other people's negativity that we've absorbed, right? We, we've all done that. We're all sensitives. So we walk around the world and everybody projects their stuff on us and we go, oh yeah, I guess that's true. And we hold it as truth within ourselves, right? We need to learn what's mine and what's not because this blended field um, means that we're absorbing everything that's out there. So in that as well to say, um, you know, when it rains, everyone gets wet. So right now it's raining kind of anger. Just think of everything that it's raining right now, right? The, the, what's going on in the world, right? And the, um, lots of trauma coming up to be expressed. That's a lot of negative anger projections, wanting frustrations. It's it's raining that and everyone gets wet. So we're all being affected by the global, by the field itself. So when I go in and work with people, what we can do, you know, is, is working with the seers means that it's much faster. That's why I love this work. I did all kinds of work to recover from my daughter's birth with a severe disability, 12 years of her life, which was amazing, um, but then her sudden death. And so how do you heal trauma? And I went the, all the traditional routes. I was a member of a Methodist church, which I'm always thankful for. However, the big answers were not given there. And Peter expressed them so well. What are the big answers where you just settle in and go, oh, yeah, we are of the earth. Yes, thank you. That was my reaction to shamanic training. Like, oh, yes, life lives on. Oh, that makes so much sense for me, right? Um, so we work with trauma in that way, that it's held in the field and that with the individual, you step into the trauma um, element that's being held and you you recognize it, you embrace it, you thank it. You know, our traumas have given us the life that we've had in many ways. Um, Plato calls them accidents. Um, those, those are those have to be moments that ignite our blueprint of what we came in to do. My daughter's birth, her death were blueprints so that I could then come and serve in this way of helping people bridge into the into the spiritual realm into the higher realms to understand like who they are like the beauty of what i do is people leave feeling better you know because much weight literally has been lifted off um but they also leave with a as peter was suggesting this whole new understanding of of who they are and that's a shift that then brings people into this, like this calm state without digging in, in those traditional ways of sitting with myself. Right. But rather like, whoa, this is who I am. This is different. What does that mean for me? How could I live that story out? And people then feel they behave differently towards themselves as a result. Do they? Yeah. There's this compassion that comes with, with feeling that, you know, I'm related to everything around me. You know, I walked into a grove of trees one time and they said, um, and it was an assignment with a workshop, you know, go connect with the tree. 
And so I found my tree and it kind of had a curvature in the spine, you know, and it was pointy a little bit, you know, it just felt my tree. But when I turned around leaving from that tree, I literally saw the web. The only time I've seen it that way of this white lights connecting all of these, this grove of trees. And I heard loudly, like, tell our story. The trees tell our story. So we know there's this interconnected web between all the trees, right? In the earth, you know, and and that we are, you are us, as Peter so eloquently was talking about, is that we are of the earth. Go tell our story. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing, beautiful. So, um, yeah, I just want to say at this point, anybody listening, if you want to connect you to Paula to, to learn more about that, um, just just ask me and obviously I'll do that or you can find Paula yourself we'll, we'll do that at the top end of the show how you can find Paula let me um I think it as a as we end the show I think it is really intriguing Peter that you have this um way of being able to see go into a room and and measure the energy the vibrational energy if that's the right way can you tell us more about this what you've discovered some of the things that they've seen i know paula when we were chatting last night told me they could they could actually measure the difference between someone alive and the point of death and all of this there's a way of measuring these energies can you share more about that mm. i mean it's really the science behind what paula was just describing you know these fields of information that um ancient traditions have known about for ages and now our science science is catching up uh, basically if you think of the word information it literally means into form right in formation so everything is information it's just what we can see around us is a dense form of information a thought is also information an emotion is information we just can't see it so it's in subtle fields but it's one spec like the light spectrum right we accept there's part of the light spectrum we can see and there's infrared or ultraviolet that we can't see it's the same with information right we can see the material information around us but mo most of us can't see the subtle information, more subtle information around us, but it's really just one spectrum. And um, <clears throat> just the, the science of this really started back in the 1970s at Princeton University when the, uh, at the School of Engineering, when McDonnell, the aircraft makers, knocked on the door and said, like, this is going to sound strange, but it seems to be that when our pilots in the fighter aircraft get stressed, they seem to be influencing the instruments on the dashboard of their fighter aircraft. And we have no explanation of how that could be happening. Could you look into it? And the, and the dean of the Princeton School of Engineering at that point, Professor Robert John, was skeptical, but he was a good scientist, which meant he followed the data. So they started doing research into, can people's inner states affect the world around us, basically. And that led to 28 years of what they called the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Pair. Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Anomalies because it didn't fit in any of the current understanding of physics and engineering. Um, and they started by building big mechanical devices. So they had like a kind of massive vertical pinball machine um, that dropped 9,000 balls over a whole bunch of pegs, creating a chaotic system. And uh, if it was random, then it would have landed in a kind of typical Gaussian random curve. And they would just sit people in front of this machine and say, try to make more balls fall to the left or more balls fall to the right. Not psychics. In fact, they avoided anyone who claimed to be psychic, just normal people and school kids and stuff. And they got consistently statistically significant effects. Wow. So not that all the balls, but, you know, there was a shift. It wasn't. It should have been random. It wasn't random. And it seemed to go the way people want, were wanting them to go. And the fact that they could repeat them again and again is what gave it the statistical significance. So they were small, but they were significant. And then they started developing um, digital devices that they called a random event generator, which is really an electronic coin flipper that flips ones and zeros really, really fast in a, through a quantum, what they call a quantum tunneling effect which shouldn't be able to be affected according to mainstream science by anything that we know of in the physical world. So no electromagnetic fields, nothing should be able to affect it. So it should just all stay 50% zeros and 50% ones, right? 
And then they set up like a game on the screen where you had to move a line up the screen or down the screen, which would be equivalent to more ones or more one more more zeros, and uh, have people play that game. And because it was electronic, you know, they could do loads and loads of these trials. So that's what they that's what they did over these years. They set up different ways of having people try to affect what should be by normal physics random events. And um, and, pr and by the end of the 28 years, basically, they've proven beyond statistical doubt that humans can influence these random events around them. Um, one in a billion is the likelihood of what they found being chance, statistically. So wow. basically, by mainstream science, case proven, right? Case proven. But that doesn't mean that mainstream science is going to accept it <laughs> because it doesn't fit the paradigm of the materialist kind of scientific worldview and it challenges people's careers very, very deeply. And Bob Yarn tells the story of, a, and he says, inverted commas scientist who came up to him at some point and said, Professor Yarn, even if what you're saying is true, I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> scientist, are you, you know, are you kidding? So, um, so what happened was this lab closed in 2007 because Bob was retiring. Brenda Dunn was the psychologist who was working with him in the lab to make it human friendly. So she had loads of cuddly toys around the place. There was a big orange couch. She put people at ease because they found it was when people were at ease, almost like sitting with self when you're at ease, that you have the greatest effect, not when you're trying really hard. In fact, there's a principle in the work they, which they named as the release of effort effect the moment that you stop trying was when the effect happened and you may have had it with your car keys or something you know where the hell are my car keys and then you kind of give up oh i don't know boom there they appear right in front of you right <laughs> and release of release of effort effect and <clears throat> so they did this research and in 2007 the lab closed i got to know brenda dunn when i was doing my phd research in this area and one day she said to me We've got all this stuff. It's sitting in storage in Princeton, costing us a, a, you know, a fortune. Can you do anything with it? And I just met Roger Tempest and Paris Ackrell, who run Broughton Sanctuary up near Skipton, 3,000 acre estate. It's been in Roger's family for a thousand years. He's the 32nd generation. They committed to make this estate a place for transformation. And so they built a beautiful, beautiful retreat center there and a rewilding the whole land, 3,000 acres, planting a million trees, biggest tree planting project in England. And I was helping Roger with the organizational side and the transition to this kind of um, transformational retreat business, basically. And, uh, and so I said to Brenda, well, how about we create a public experience in uh, at Broughton Sanctuary where people can actually walk in and experience their minds and hearts, because it's the combination, affecting these devices. And she thought it was a great idea. I uh, so, uh, offered it to Roger and he said, let's do it. So we shipped the whole Princeton lab across the Atlantic to Yorkshire and created what we call weird experience, W-Y-R-D, right? Where you can experience this interconnectedness between yourself and these devices for which in traditional physics, there is no traditional explanation, but has been scientifically proven. So we continue to develop those technologies and by the way you can visit it now if anyone's up in the north and wants to go you know trip up to skipton beautiful part of the world yorkshire dales of course uh you drop into to the sanctuary broughton sanctuary and visit weird experience we developed the technology uh, a step further where we took two of these random event generators i won't go into too much of the science of it now but basically when we did the research we put it in a room for example with groups doing rituals and whenever there was a peak in the ritual, you'd get a readout on the device. So you'd see the deviation from randomness, basically. So something was affecting the device, even though there was no physical connection. Um, they found when people are aligned collectively, are attuned and focused collectively, you get an impact on the device. So what that's meaning is when we have a collective alignment around a shared purpose, for example, we are more likely to affect what would otherwise be random events around us. So you could say in the kind of almost Americanese, you know, it's affecting our manifestation power. You know, it's like we're being able to, but we are literally being able, what we're doing in quantum physics terms is we're increasing the probability of our shared goal coming into reality. And that's what we're doing. And so um, one thing we're doing now is developing a lamp 
for example, that you'll be able to put in a meeting room. And as people come in, as the group comes into greater coherence, the lamp will glow. And as they fall, so it's what I call instead of biofeedback, it's socio-feedback. It's telling yeah. us about the quality of our collective field. So when do you want to make a decision? Like when the lamp's glowing, because that's when the collective intelligence is at its highest, for example. We also found, as you referred to, Penny, that when we put them in ICUs, uh, intensive care units in Spain, we have a, a project going there. The moment that the EEG registers somebody's death, you also get a peak in this uh, in this device that we call the weirdoscope. Um, and so that is scientific evidence that something non-physical is happening at the moment of death because physics can't explain how anything could affect these devices. Why would it peak at the moment of death? Because you would almost think it would go quiet. Why is it peaking? At what's but, happening? Something, so something non-physical is going on. So any, something which isn't just kind of standard is happening. Now, somebody might say it's the moment that the soul leaves the body. You know, they've done this thing where they've measured people's weight. Yes, right. I've heard about that. Found that they become a little bit lighter the moment that they die. So it's something. What it's re what it registers is something that happens in the information field wow. at that moment. And so, you know, it feels like we're in the Dutch. We have this expression in the kinderschoenen, which means like in the child's shoes, uh, in this whole research at the moment, because there's so much that we don't understand. But the, the, the basic evidence is there that, uh, that when we align our intention with our attention, and the intention is the mind, and the yeah. attention is the heart, and the intention sets the direction, and the attention from the heart amplifies the direction, the combination of the two. At Princeton, they found it was couples who were in love who had the biggest effect on the devices. You know, the science has basically proven that we affect what would other, what otherwise should be random events around us. And as Bob says at the end of this video, he created Bob Young, we've demonstrated it here, up to you to work out the implications. And that's basically what we're doing. You know, toys that kids will be able to influence with their minds, you know, running around the room. Because, why? Because it's going to um, reflect back to us the nature of our interconnectedness. And for me, that's the essence, right? If we, the only reason we've made such a mess of the world is because we've forgotten the nature of our interconnectedness. So what we yeah. need to do is remind ourselves of that. And the Western mind happens to like science. So if you can back it up with the science yeah. and science has an important role to play, you know, in, in distinguishing woo-woo from, you know, yeah. real stuff, if you use the right protocols and things. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, there's a call going off in the background. Sorry. My husband's just going to turn that off. Sorry, everyone. That was incredible. I mean, the two of you together, the way you communicate, this is so phenomenal and, and evocative, but motivating as well. So, Paula, as we go, we are ending the show in a minute. What I am understanding, and please correct me if this again is, is clumsy, is that when people were working with you, if basically what's happening here is I am creating an energy. If I'm stressed inside, the energy is going out. I'm passing it on. I'm giving people that feeling. And I certainly know that because my daughter tells me. So I'm very aware of that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, when you get people and you reset people and you can see these, these shadows, these black things in the field, and you help them to reset, mm -hmm. They're going to attract more goodness into their lives because they have reset. I, I imagine that is that is that a way to conclude this? The power of doing this and 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 creating habits in our lives where we are calmer is that is that a good way to explain? I mean, a very very clumsy summary. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it it's we we have a vibration, a frequency. Um, we, we can recognize it in other people, right? How they impact us, right? And so as we lighten um, by releasing um, our misunderstandings, limiting beliefs, the traumas on the body, we're literally walking with more and more light within ourselves. Right? David Hawkins scale of zero to a uh, hundred, right? And um, we've seen that with Hannah's work on flow within BIP, uh, beautiful work as she presents and talks about that. So we we vibrate at a different at various frequencies, right? So the question becomes how can I how can I increase my frequency um in, in the most aligned way with 
the of of with who I am, and I believe this interconnected um, understanding and working through the field um, teaches us both things. One, we walk with more light, and as we attract, walk with more light, then we attract. As you were saying, Penny, what we attract to us are things that match the frequency that we're that we're um, currently vibrating at. And then when we have a deeper understanding or a real understanding of, of who we are, and as Peter was describing, the power that we walk with, um, then we we walk in more of a sacred way because we realize, you know, what we think about is really going to impact. You know, when I work with mothers who have our kind of so contracted because of the stress of of their child uh, at any age, right? And they recognize that what that worry and fret and stress that they're sending out into the world towards their child, as Peter was describing, like an intention and attention, it's what's in the heart is the worry and the fret and the stress. And is he going to make it? And, you know, we're sending that negativity to that individual. And so to come back to your question, you know, how how is it that we want to walk in the world and does it impact us? Is like, what if we really get that we can send this love ball, you know, however you want to say it, um, to those individuals who we really that we are on our heart and really get that that's going to have an impact for both them and self i yeah. love that so. <laughs> and it's really interesting because not that i want to make this about me but i think it's very interesting that thomas and i talk about love in business how important yeah. it is to create love in business and when you create a community where one of the values is love people think they're coming to a business community because they're wanting to find business, yeah? But actually, when they actually find love, the transformation in their life is quite incredible. People lose weight, they take care of themselves more, they get more business. But it takes time for people to realise that the energy field that you're working within and how it affects what happens on the out. So that's really interesting from the work that Thomas and I do, how that resonates with me. And But equally how I ebb and flow into my stress and how I feel the universe brought the two of you to me today to be the perfect time for me, which is really beautiful. And I hope anybody that's been listening to this, I hope it moves you and helps you to understand a subject that is so powerful and something that's going to just become more and more, more, more strong, more powerful in the world as we turn so much towards technology and fear that that silence because of it. So, um, beautiful show thank you so much peter mary and paula petri um the best way to find you paula going forward um is your website i imagine is it your your website sure. website yes or my my email is good too paula at paula petri.com easy and petri spelled p-e-t-r-y and you can tell i keep on pronouncing it wrong but it's petri but i pronounce it petri because that's how i Seeing the word <laughs> so and um, um and peter your work is that best to come to the Ubi ubiquity universe and have a look at that or uh you can kind of connect off to the various things via petermerry.org and if you're interested in the consciousness technology stuff go weird.org w-y-r-d remember go That's weird fantastic. and there is ubiquityuniversity.org as well yeah wonderful and um, obviously, I know Paula very well. So anybody that wants to contact with me to have a chat with me about Paula or connect you to Paula, um, please do. But thank you both for just the most beautiful show I think I've ever had. And you have really upped my knowledge of this and also my intention to to become more at peace with myself. So thank you so much. And uh, everyone, hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you, Penny. <laughs>